Welcome to the Bitcoin Breakout, a production of the Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Spierko. Remember, you can always find all our episodes at thebitcoinbreakout.com. You can also find all episodes of the Survival Podcast at tspc.co. If you want full personal sovereignty, Bitcoin is only one step. On the Survival Podcast, we discuss all aspects of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and personal liberty. Now strap in and get ready for another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout, where we discuss how Bitcoin and the Lightning Network will literally change everything. Fix the money, fix the world. Well, hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tougher even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, August the 23rd, 2022. This is episode 3,151 of the Survival Podcast, episode 16 of the Bitcoin breakout since we've started breaking out Tuesdays for Bitcoin content. Today we're going to talk about Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, and Lightning Node deployment, and all of the cool stuff that's being developed in that space with our special guest who is uh, Nate Glasky of Voltage. Nate is a really interesting guy. I've met him on Twitter, and I reached out to him and asked to have him on the show. And we're going to talk about instant lightning node deployment. Well, almost instant. How about in under five minutes you can have a lightning node up and running? It's not the solution for every single thing that people want to do with a lightning node, but it is a solution for a lot of things. And I think by understanding what you can do with a voltage node, you're going to have a better understanding of what can be done and what is being done with lightning. Typical voltage customers, and we'll see if Nate corrects me on this, would be people that are building like applications, like Fountain actually uses voltage would be an example. My idea for a traffic app, you might use voltage for that. Or somebody building a wallet might use uh, a voltage node or multiple voltage nodes. There is an uptime uh, guarantee with something like voltage. I think, though, when people hear cloud, they think, well, if it's, if it's cloud service, I think something like AWS or whatever, and like you don't really have your own node, you don't really have your own privacy. You do. We're going to dig into that today. But there's an exciting world being developed that Voltage can be part of. And it also would be for people that want to start running their own payment processing. How about that? How much money can that save the average small business? A lot. There's a lot of services that Voltage has other than just nodes themselves. There's different types of nodes. There's different options. And you can play around with a node at no cost whatsoever just to learn a little bit about it. That's how I started with them. I just wanted to learn more about Lightning nodes and some advanced features and stuff like that. And I've learned a ton. I understand Lightning so much better now. It's not like my node makes me money, but it allows me to receive money and on my own terms. And it's educating me for about 12 bucks a month is what it's costing me to run a note on Voltage. So a lot to learn today. Before we dig into that and get our special guest on, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one is ButcherBox.com. Every month I look out at my fence and I see a giant box and I'm like, that's this month's ButcherBox. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and get that giant box of meat and bring it in my house. And guys, I love their product so much. I don't take money from ButcherBox as a sponsor. They're the only sponsor I have. They pay me every month in product. And I do add on stuff and you know, I have a certain amount of money that they, they, they account, they give me to my account every month to, to have whatever I want. And I often go over. This month I went over because I got like 10 pounds of bacon. 
10 pounds of extra bacon in one of the deals. They've got a lot of deals going right now for members. You might want to check into that uh, and you know, make sure like there are special offers if you're a member already are not going in your spam folder or something like that and whitelist them because they got some cool stuff going this month. You can always find out more by going to butcherbox.com. But remember, if you're an MSB member, you get $10 off every month for as long as you stay a customer. That's $120 a year. My membership's only 50 bucks. So that discount program alone pays for your MSB forever, infinitely. Next up today, Wealthsteading.com with John Pugliano. John is a long-term member of the TSP community. He is an investment manager, not a financial liar. He's really switched on, super smart guy. This is a guy that decided if he was going to go into the world of investment management, he had to make himself through sound investment principles, a liquid millionaire first. And once he did that, then he had the business of going out and helping other people do it. He did that, walked away from his career after 10 years in it, and now is a full-time investment manager, and he's a prepper, ham radio operator, really switched on guy, and a podcaster. You know how he got his podcast started? He, he got in touch with me and said, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. What, give me some tips. How do I get started? I said, just do it. That was my entire response, and he did. He's got a great podcast. It sounds best where Fountain.fm. If you love John and the work he's done, if he's brought value to you, consider when you listen to his podcast at WealthSteading.com, actually listening on the Fountain app, and send him some value for value love from the TSP community. I want to tell you something that recently happened with John. I sent him an email and said, How, how's the, the value for value going? He goes, it's good. But he sent me a screenshot of a Boostagram. And he said, but the messages are better. The feedback, the communication is the real win here. I agree. I think so. And that's why I occasionally read Boostergrams uh, on the air. I don't know if I'm going to do that today, but I'll tell you what. I do read them, and it means a lot. And when it, you know, when it comes to a little bit of value, it matters. So send John some value for value love on Fountain. And make sure you're subscribed to the Wealth Setting Podcast because it will tell you the things that you're not going to hear on the TV or the radio, the things you really need to know about empowering yourself with more knowledge about wealth management. With that, let's go ahead and dig into today's topic, and let me introduce our special guest, Nate Glasky of Voltage. And we are live. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Survival Podcast, and this is a Tuesday Bitcoin breakout. I have uh, my guest here, Nate, from Voltage.cloud. Today, we're going to be talking about the Lightning Network. We're going to talk about the solutions Voltage offers uh, how to become your own payment processor, or a bunch of other cool stuff. My quick disclaimer, though, anytime I am using video services like ScrewTube and the like, I will never contact you for any personal information or private chat, etc. in the video comments. Just because you see my logo doesn't mean it's me. In fact, it's probably not. Especially the episodes on Bitcoin, we get a lot of people trying to scam my listeners, and YouTube doesn't care about you. So you'll have to care about yourself. Anyway, with that, Nate, welcome to the Bitcoin Breakout and Survival Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I think this will be a really interesting um, episode. I have become enamored with the Lightning Network. When people ask me what I think the most exciting technology is right now, it's Lightning. But I want to back up from there before we get into voltage, Lightning, all that stuff. Let's talk about Nate. Like, so... How does Nate go from whoever Nate was prior to the world of Bitcoin to becoming a Bitcoiner, and how does it fit with your personal lifestyle? Yeah, wow. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. Uh, my name's Nate. I do work at Voltage. We. Um, so for me personally, I when I started university, I joined a poker group because I like to play poker, 
and trying to make some friends. And these guys that I met were a bunch of raging libertarians. <laughs> and they taught me uh, the, I don't want to say errors of my ways. I would consider myself a conservative Republican when I was in college. Okay. But uh, that led me down the path of reading Henry Hazlitt and Rothbard and uh, understanding um, exactly what the nature of the state is. And um, in 2012, I helped campaign for Gary Johnson. You know, I was, I got in on that sort of like big L libertarian sort of thing. And then after college, I, uh, I participated in a uh, bi-monthly libertarian, which had an ANCAP sort of bent to it, uh, meetup in Colorado where someone came, I think it was in 2014, maybe sooner than that and talked about Bitcoin. And I was immediately interested in it. However, my big hangup was at the time it was pitched as a way to make payments. And my thought was, well, nobody's accepting Bitcoin. So why would I want to use Bitcoin? I'll just keep an eye on it. It wasn't really pitched as a sound money, you know, all the other features that we have right now. So, uh, it, it was, I was kind of just watching from the sidelines for a long time. And then the Mt. Gox issue happened. We watched Bitcoin go from a, whatever it was, $1,200 to $200. Yeah. And I told myself, you know what? I'm starting to actually, you know, get my, uh, like income coming. I'm no longer broke sort of. And if this thing ever kind of goes back up, I'm going to get back into it. And then that's pretty much what happened. Um, I, I have a history in the aviation industry in the private sector. Um, and I got into lightning. Um, well, I got into running a node in 2018 and the node that I ran also had a lightning node built into it. I learned Linux by myself uh, to do that. And I just started diving down the lightning rabbit hole in 2018 and early 2019. So long story short, my daughter was born last year. I took a couple months off from work in March. They, uh, I decided, you know, I know a lot about lightning. Lightning's kind of blowing up. I'm going to do free consulting for anybody I can find on Twitter that wants to jump on a call with me. Did that. And then, um, the CEO of Voltage, uh, Graham Kurzik, uh, invited me to join his team last September. And I had been stacking Bitcoin for a number of years at that point. We felt financially secure enough to pivot our career change and try something new. So I've been full-time Bitcoin now for a year at Voltage. Very cool. I, I've noticed there's a, a commonality there that a lot of people that are in the Bitcoin space, the Lightning space, the app development space, Layer 3, uh, all of that world will have some sort of a technical background, learn about this, dig into it. They don't go to like Bitcoin university or whatever, right? Like they mm. can learn and then they, they start to act and it's, 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 it's very much a meritocracy. They might do paid or free consulting like you did. They might, uh, start working on a open source project as a collaborator and yeah. one way or another that leads to employment or some other form of enrichment. So that's, that's something I've noticed really common, and I've, I've got a lot of people in the audience that are younger that have asked, you know, how do I get into this? And I'm like, that's always the formula that I get. Yeah, I was never even expecting to do that. I just, I love Lightning. Nobody at my office was a Bitcoiner, right? So I can't talk to normies, quote unquote, about yeah. this sort of stuff. And I just, I needed to talk to people because I was obsessed. <laughs> and so I was just happy to talk to people. And uh, I probably talked to maybe 60 people over the course of a month and a half. During that time frame, it was, it was very interesting. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about Voltage. What 
what is different uh, about let's not even go with just the lightning part yet because voltage okay. is best known I think as a place where you can go spin up a lightning node in like five minutes and you can because even I did it yeah. but it's not the only thing that voltage does so we can just kind of start out like what is kind of the catalog of, of services that are available with voltage sure so Voltage makes it easy to have access to some of the most popular open source products in Bitcoin, BTC pay server, lightning nodes. We even have Bitcoin basic core nodes if, if people are interested in that. And one of the pain points with running this software is you have to know how to clone repositories, install dependencies, Linux, all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, maybe merchants that have an interest in accepting Bitcoin don't want to go down that that long educational rabbit hole. They'd rather just have someone sort of like provide that infrastructure for them and then, you know, get the support they need at that point. So uh, our CEO, Graham, who is an amazing uh, developer, spent about six months of his own time developing a way to encrypt nodes and works and worked with um, the folks at Lightning Labs, who makes the LND Lightning node implementation uh, to create a way to host nodes in a non-custodial way, which is really, really important um, because uh, folks don't uh, folks shouldn't, I should say, want other people to have control over their money. So we needed to figure out a way to, to accomplish that. And we did. And uh, we've been growing really, really fast this year. We were at, you know, in Bitcoin Miami. We're going to be at uh, BitBlock Boom this week. We're going to be at the Atlanta Bitcoin Conference next week. So we're going to be all around uh, talking about Lightning and what we do. Cool. Very cool. Um, I think one of the things that, like, and, and probably people like me are part of why uh, we've, often said something like there is no cloud, there's just somebody else's computer. And we've mm -hmm. used that to drive home the idea if you don't hold your own keys, you don't hold your own coin. So when people look at spinning up a node on Voltage, they may think of it kind of the same way. Like it's a node on like AWS or something like that. Yeah. That's really not how that works. And I, I would kind of say that people that want to use like a Voltage node probably do for, so, so for, for similar reasons to the reason that I use a dedicated web server for my podcast. Mm. So I have literal terabytes of data pulled down every month with the size of my audience and the number of shows that I do. So I am not comfortable using something like a Libsyn or something like that. Like you know, your whole life is in somebody else's control. But I also, I'm not going to have a server in my closet over here with like a freaking OC3 plugged in my house and, you know, neg 48 volt backup power, like a data center run in here. I have yeah. a service through a company called 100 terabytes and I have a dedicated box in their rack space. And you can go that far with voltage or you can have, I think the analogy might be closer to like a, a, a virtual private server. I think when you have mm -hmm. your own node, but you're in somebody else's rack, but it's yours. You're buying the space and it's like, let's say like leasing an apartment maybe would be for people that aren't as technical to understand. Sure. Like, um, that's exactly right. So we developed a way to be non-custodial, but we're still not technically uh, trustless, right? So, so theoretically, we could flip the switch and turn your node off at any time. That is a, a a thing that you have to be aware of. However, you still get your seed words. You still have access to your channel backup, so you don't actually lose your funds if that ever happens. But you are you are trusting us with that hosted infrastructure, absolutely. 
So there is some trade-off there, um, and folks need to decide if that trade-off is, is worth it, depending on the amount of capital they want to put on their node. Um, so there's uh, different types of clients that would, would you know, weigh, weigh that and, and, and decide. But um, so far, we found that there are some niches that we definitely are uh, filling at, at this time uh, that, you know, folks are willing to accept those trade-offs. So let's talk about some of the different niches. And I think the one my audience has the most interest in, but they may need to really develop an education to be able to do it, is routing nodes. And I think Mm. because there's a lot of cloud, uh, clouded vision into the world between crypto and Bitcoin, and people got so familiar with proof of stake, and the idea was you just held some of this crypto and they magically gave you some every month, Mm that I think that people kind of look at running a lightning node like that. Like you, you set your node up and then you're supporting the network and you get some fees and it, yeah, but no, like I compared it to like setting up a website in 1993. Anybody could do it with a little bit of technical information, but it was like putting a store in the middle of the desert with no roads to it. Like you have to (laughs) make your node attractive. So can we talk a little bit about routing nodes and why a routing node runner might choose a service like voltage? Sure. So, so lightning nodes and the way that they interact with uh, folks that are doing commerce is, is a really interesting incentive structure because folks that have capital and are looking to run a lightning node uh, want to allocate that capital towards uh, entities, peers that are also running a node that need that liquidity because a channel, lightning channel between peers, which is synonymous with nodes, um, is is simply an, uh, a liquidity flow back and forth sort of river, like send, receive, that sort of thing. So uh, uh, the merchant or and, – and, all right, let me go back a little bit. So the, the capital needs to find its way to its final destination. The incentive Correct. for the routing node runner is to find – where that liquidity needs to be, because if they find where that liquidity needs to be, they can now charge a fee uh, for that liquidity flow. So, for example, if I have a channel with you, Jack, and um, John behind me, who isn't actually behind me, has a channel with me and wants to pay you, um, he can still pay you. It's just I provide that sort of relay to you mm-hmm. and I can charge a fee uh, for that service. And now, The network can also find any uh, more routes. Maybe it's not just through me. Maybe there's another channel that you have somewhere else that would be cheaper or faster. Like the algorithm says, hey, actually, this route's cheaper. And it's it's really lightning quick, right? So uh, there's a competitive marketplace for these fees. So a lot of folks running a routing node looking to get the most fees, they'll try to find parts of the network where capital needs to be but isn't quite there yet. So that's like a... a gamifying sort of thing. So to boil it all down, it's not as simple as just like, let's blast open some channels and rake in some fees in order to optimize. You actually have to treat it more like a business mm-hmm. um, than, than just park your funds somewhere. How, however, um, the more uh, uptime you have, the more reliability you have, this is where voltage comes in uh, because you don't have to worry about your power going out or your internet going out. Cause with lightning, you have to be online all the time. Yep. Uh, stuff like that, Voltage really helps with, along with support, et cetera. Um, so 
the uh, the your node will be uh, routing all these funds uh, and um, collecting fees. And there's other ways to monetize also, but the point is that uh, you, you can't just blast open channels. You need to actually uh, dig your feet in a little bit. Uh, it's not like a full-time job or anything, I'd say. You know, I run a personal routing node. I probably spend, you know, after you get that initial sort of like setup done where you get like uh, the amount of channels that you'd like, yeah, you're probably only spending 30 minutes to an hour a month on it, if that. I'm um, not a month, uh, 30 minutes to an hour a week, I would say. Uh, okay. On okay. So I guess that's a real like high level quick. And, and like we're not going to go deep into how you balance liquidity and stuff like that because yeah. without visual aids, that's very difficult. I'll just yeah. try to give it. A way for people to basically understand it. I, I like receiving into my own node that I have a voltage, and I'm doing that more as a learning experience and trying to make money. Yeah. And so one of the little things I figured out that doesn't make me money, but it makes me able to receive like continuously and kind of do this little process forever. Uh, I opened a channel with Wallet of Satoshi for like uh, a million mm-hmm. and a half sats, mm-hmm. right? And then when you do that, you're actually taking on-chain Bitcoin, you're turning it into Lightning form Satoshis. But all yeah. that liquidity, when you open that channel, is on your side of the channel. Right. And to be able, and you can send your ass off now. Mm-hmm. But to receive, you have to move that liquidity over to the other side. So all I do is I just simply send, uh, let's say, a million of the one and a half million sats. I'll send a million other sats, which is a couple hundred bucks, mm-hmm. as lightning off my node to my own wallet of Satoshi, which pushes it straight over yeah. to their side. And then I take that and send it back on chain to my full node yep. on the other end of it. And you can just kind of loop that around forever. That's but that's not going to make me any money, but it does give me kind of i I'm visible on the network. I'm a reliable node. I'm operating. And like, that would be one way to kind of get started. And that, that's how you have to think about it. Like when you open that channel, you can send as much as you want. And those sats are yours. Even when they move over to the other side, they're still yours. But if you want to receive new sats in, you have to move them out to the opposite side of the channel. And I've tried to explain it on the show, and that's that's the best simple explanation I can give. Right. No, I mean, uh, both parties of the channel own a piece of that channel, and the part that they respectively own is their outbound or local side. Like, my local side will be your remote side and vice versa, or inbound and outbound, which is, like, the same thing. I know these terms are, are kind of wild. But, yeah, so a lot of folks, like – I'll just tell people like, hey, you want to get some inbound, just go buy an Amazon gift card or something, right? Yeah. Because you're spending it, which is reallocating it from the outbound to the inbound side. Gotcha. And you need inbound to receive. If you just want to run a lightning node, just like buy Amazon gift cards and stuff, then you don't need to worry about a darn thing. Yeah. It's when you are planning on receiving a lot that it becomes more difficult because you have to somehow convince another party to allocate their capital towards you, which gives you that inbound. And that's what fees are for. Okay. So let's talk about another type of person or entity that might want to use voltage. Somebody building an application. Um, For instance, um, with my audience, the fountain podcasting app is very popular. Mm -hmm. And I think they're using voltage as their source for nodes. I'm pretty sure of that. And so, so a layered application developer, like to me, one of the big things this does is it takes the whole managing the node out of their hands. Like as far as managing its existence and its uptime, they still have to manage mm-hmm. its liquidity and what have you. But like that's all these guys developing all these apps. I've had the Geyser guys on the show, things like that. Mm-hmm. These guys are like 
ass and elbows, nonstop coding, and they don't need another thing to do. And then they have mm-hmm. the guaranteed uptime that you guys provide, right? So, like, is is that kind of the biggest reason you think app developers are, are using you oh, guys? Yeah. I think that's, like, a big part of your business. Yeah. Um, so we are really, really heavy in supporting the developer ecosystem on Lightning. We've sponsored hackathons, provided free nodes to developers at several conferences, that sort of thing. And what's really, really cool about Voltage is it really is your node. You get all the functionality that you would if you're running your node at home. You get the remote access uh, tokens called macaroons. Uh, you get um, complete API access to LND, which means that you can you know, run these calls to your node from an external app. Um, and Voltage itself has an API, which means that you can actually spool up voltage nodes and stuff directly from an app rather than using the voltage dashboard. So, which is really developer uh, centric. So the, one of the cool things about voltage is, you know, a lot of folks might think, Oh, you charge per month or whatever. We actually charge per hour. And the reason why is folks might only want to run a node for a day or two. You know, we want to be able to support yeah. them. Maybe they want to do a crowd fund for a week or something like that. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, and, or, you know, I, I only bring that up because developers might just want to run a node for a couple hours for a hackathon to prove a concept, that sort of thing. But we have also these really big apps like Fountain and a few others that are using Voltage to just power their, their lightning infrastructure backend. Uh, which, like you said, you know, if you're running a business, if you're running an app that uses a, 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 a core lightning node to service many, many people, if that core lightning node goes down because your power went out at your house or something, that's a big problem. So that's, that's, uh, your power goes out, your internet have. goes out, like right. either one of those and you're dead in the water. Yeah. And if that happens for too long a period, you, you can in theory at least lose liquidity that you have stakes. So like that's not good either. Like, so if you're playing around with a couple hundred bucks, that's not really a big deal. But if you're building an enterprise, Mm-hmm. Like you, you want that guaranteed upside. The same reason, like I said, that I, I host this show on a dedicated box. I pay about 800 bucks a month for it, right? Because I want that in a data center and I want a freaking Halon fire suppression system in there that'll keep it from burning up if something catches on fire. I want backup power. I, I want redundancy in my data pipe because this is my business. Yeah, businesses want that peace of mind, and I, I don't blame them. And there hasn't really been a solution, in my opinion, until now. I still think Voltage is sort of a one-of-a-kind service at the moment. It, it definitely is. I, I've not seen anything like it. Um, I will warn people, just if, if you don't have any idea what you're doing with nodes, you can go play around with it, but you can absolutely turn up a node in five minutes. That doesn't mean it'll do anything and you know what to do with it. I had my web admin, Tom, who's big into this stuff, kind of walk me through setting it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually using your node, and then on my mobile device, I'm using Zeus yeah. as my my GUI wallet management into the node, where I can generate addresses and things like that, and receive without having to log into my control panel to do things. Yeah, and it wasn't hard, but it's not intuitive, mm. right? And then you open up a channel, and you're like, "Yay, I did it!" You try to send money to yourself just to test it. It's like that doesn't work, right? You don't have enough mm. liquidity there. And it takes a while. So you guys could totally go experiment with this. You can go do it right now. Um, you could turn up a node for, I think, free for a certain period of time to, to, to right. play with it, right? Yeah, like, a, a standard just, node is about four cents I was going to put it this way. 
I'm not yeah. your technical support <laughs> into my audience, right? Like I, I don't do tech support, so don't ask me how to, you're going to have to learn or find your own Tom. I think Tom actually is available for rent. You may be able to rent Tom's services to walk you through some stuff nice. or, uh, or what have you. But yeah, it's, it is a lot of fun. And I, what I've said is I thought I understood lightning until I ran a node. And then I realized I didn't understand lightning. And now I feel like I understand enough to know how little I understand. Right. But I have a whole new vision as to what's possible in the ecosystem. Right. From the experience of being able to just understand the balancing and how to, how to loop out and how to actually like what the node does that's different from just holding a wallet. That's like a, a wallet of Satoshi or blue wallet or something like that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, because not everybody needs to run a node, obviously. Like you can download many mobile apps, even non-custodial mobile apps like Phoenix, for example, and just use Lightning uh, no matter what. What we're trying to build out, and it's really, really interesting if you look at old photos of the Internet when, you know, in the 80s of how the Internet is just these nodes connected together. And then look at an info or uh, a graphical representation of the Lightning Network is very similar. So it's, 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 a, in my opinion, we're basically building out a decentralized money internet the same way that we now, we have a decentralized, for the most part, there's some centralized elements, um, information internet, which is what we're using right now, which I think is really, really exciting because money is, needs, needs to flow in a, in a free, in a free way. And this is how we're doing it. Awesome. So let's talk about another thing that I think people would use a voltage node for, and that is to set up their own payment processing. What, uh, does, what does that look like? Because I think that's a big part of your core business, too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, so we have the Lightning Node functionality, and then we also uh, host a open source uh, Bitcoin payment server called BTC Pay Server. Not to be confused with BitPay, which is centralized garbage that nobody mm-hmm. should use, but BTC Pay Server is the premier open source way to do commerce with Bitcoin, and uh, we offer that for a, a. I think it comes out to like eight dollars a month, something like that, and it'll auto connect to a node that you are either running on voltage, or we can actually help you connect it to a node you're running at home. So if you're running a Lightning node at home, you could just pay for the BTC Pay Server on voltage, connect them up. And now you can do things like keypad entries, um, iPad, um, like little point of sale things. Uh, you can even generate uh, keys to connect your BTC pay server to a Shopify store or a WooCommerce store. And now all of a sudden folks are, can buy stuff from you. You still ship it to them. But what's happening is it's generating an invoice directly from your nodes. When that uh, payment happens, you, the funds go immediately into your custody which is really, really cool. And uh, we offer that service as part of Voltage. So um, please check that out if, if anyone's curious. There's lots of cool things you could do with that. And it's all really, really user-friendly. What, what do you see as some of the most exciting things coming that Lightning is enabling from the, the entire space, the, like Bitcoin layer two, layer three stuff? Wow. So... So, so right now, um, I, I guess in the short term, what I'm, cause I'm not a developer either. I'm just, I'm just a nerd enthusiast, right? Okay. I, I try to learn some programming, but like some of these folks who are really down in the trenches and building, 
Um, what I'm hoping to see soon is a unified method of doing push payments. So right now the Lightning Network default is a pull payment system, which means the receiver needs to generate an invoice before the sender can can send the money, which which works in things like shops and everything. But what if yeah. you want to do something like a, a subscription where it auto uh, pays, stuff like that? So um, there are a couple proposals right now uh, in that area that I think would really, really be cool in a lot of ways to have subscriptions and other ways of implementing lightning into things that we use every day, like web browsers. There's a company um, building out a, uh, a, a web browser with lightning as a default payment mechanism built in. For those that don't know, uh, I'm sure you've seen a 404 error before in your browser, <laughs> right? Yeah. But for those that don't know, when they uh, the initial internet developers put, um, you know, we're developing this, they also have a 402 error. And the 402 error is a money error. They didn't know how they would ever use it because it didn't make sense at the time. But like a 402 error is something that like maybe lightning will be used. So I don't know. It, it feels like money. If it, it feels like um, taking out your credit card from your wallet, typing it into a website with all your information and stuff, um, is is going to be a blip on the history of the internet. It's going to be looked at as a weird transitory period for when we actually got the money of the internet or the internet of money, which in my opinion is going to be a, a Bitcoin-based system. Whether or not it's Lightning or not, we'll yeah. see. Lightning right now is doing great. Um, but I want to see Lightning take over as much of the internet as possible. And I think um, it's going to happen when companies and business and stuff realize how much they can actually save by using lightning rather than these slow payment processing companies and stuff that have chargebacks and all these problems with them. And not to mention all this honeypot stuff. Like we keep hearing about hacks and stuff all the time where if you just pay for something over Bitcoin, I mean, if you ship it to yourself, yeah, you got to put in your address, but you don't have to put in your credit card numbers and yeah, all this stuff. So that I, that's what I want to see. I want to see more of that, and I think that's that's sort of the short term and the long term. I hope that well, answers I, that question. <laughs> what I've been saying is, you look at for those that are on the audio, and I'm holding my iPhone up. Uh, you you look at a phone like this, and you look at the apps on it, and I would say if an app can be monetized, it either will be monetized or it will be replaced. So there might be some apps that you don't really monetize. I don't know, your freaking mm -hmm. Reminders app or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Like your native Apple app or your native Google app or your native whatever, you know, because I'm, I'm looking for decentralized phones to come next, right? Um, mm -hmm. Complete open source app stores and all. But, like, people would think, like, well, how would you monetize a Maps app? Well, you look at something like Waze, and so either Waze does this or within a couple of years, Waze is out of business is what I've been saying. So when I was coming back from Tennessee, the last trip I took, we put up Waze because when you're traveling a long distance, we always use navigation apps. It helps you know when you're getting it. And all of a sudden I see like these police lights come up and basically other Waze users had ratted out the cop and said, there's a cop here. So I'm hooking like 90 and it's like a 65. So I like slow down and son of a gun, there's the cop. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... Right. And I had just really started to discover all these, these new apps rolling out like Geyser, like, like Fountain and, and like Breeze and what have And I'm like, Oh, I would have totally tipped that guy five bucks. Yeah. Like, that cop out. Like, and then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. 
if there was a traffic app that tipped me for reporting road hazards, like cops, because they're road hazards, um, I would use it because I like money. But I'm also thinking, even if I didn't like money, the app that monetizes the activity will work better. So if I'm not even worried about whether or not I get Bitcoin or can send it, I'm still going to use the better app. That's, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. The anti-road pirate app, but it wouldn't be just the road piracy because we had another issue where like Waze basically said, don't go here and get off the highway and go around this kind of long way. When we went over the overpass, we looked down the highway. It was like I-30 and it was like cars to the, to the horizon. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm glad we got off when we did because we, I think we'd still be there. Like that was June and I'd still be waiting. And so I would have tipped the person that did that. And so then I start looking at all these other apps, like the weather app, right? You ever see on the, you know, like the, the Fox WAP, it'll say like rain will begin in 15 minutes. Well, the reason Mm. they know that is somebody literally like enough people literally said it is raining here. Confirm, not just radar. Like there are all types of ways to exchange value for value with people in this app ecosystem. And to me, all these big companies, they could do it in a month. Mm-hmm. But they won't. Mm-hmm. So that gives like all the startups, all these these hungry guys that are willing to do something different about a year and a half to two years. As I feel like that's that that striking moment that they can go and they can take this because if Waze wants to do it, they have the user base, they have the tech. All they have to do is implement a payment system. Yes, spot on. And you know, I, I think I think you're exactly right. I think I think this is going to be a young man's, young devs get out there kind of game, and I see that firsthand. Um, being in Texas, and I go to Austin frequently, and Austin is is turning into one of, if not the Bitcoin mecca in the country, full of young, smart developers. And I hang out with them, and I I, I can kind of see where we're going. And a lot of folks, I think, uh, might not realize that, but those are the ideas that people are coming up with to disrupt this old system that is just not efficient enough for where we want to move as a species <laughs> to put, to put frank, yeah. like we, yeah. we need frictionless private ways to exchange value. And, you know, if I want to tip you half a penny on lightning anywhere in the world, instantly, I can do that of value like we have the technology now and that's going to open up the floodgates um and you know it's still really early it's still only a few years a lot of people don't realize that this could still take some time but you know you mentioned one or two years and i i honestly see things coming out all the time that i i I didn't i did not expect so on one hand i'm like we're really early should just calm down and on the other hand i'm like let's go like i see all this stuff like let's go um but yeah uh, you're, you're spot on on that. So I think that's exactly where Lightning's going. There's other, you know, proposals. Um, Lightning Labs is working on this Taro project that they're calling it, where um, the routing nodes will see that they're only sending Satoshis, but on the receiver and the sender side, the the Satoshi represents value of something else, whether it be representing a dollar or representing a cookie or whatever. So yeah, that is actually kind of interesting from a global remittance perspective during that transitory period, hopefully when the world realizes that government money is garbage. So just interesting little things like that. Yeah, I'm with you on the like, be patient, but let's go thing. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen. Is it the next year and a half? I don't know. Is it 
two years? Is it three? I don't know. But I, I do feel like I'm going to, I know how it will look. There's a mm. quote by Ernest Hemingway. How did we go bankrupt? First gradually, then suddenly. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen is like, there's little bits going on, little bits of noise being made. But if I'm, and I'm not, but if I'm the CEO of Spotify right now mm-hmm. or Stitcher, I am implementing value for value, but they're not. And you're watching apps like Fountain just take market share from these dinosaurs that, you know, it's weird. They're dinosaurs, but they're only like, seven, eight-year-old companies. Right. Like, yeah. a dinosaur company, when I was in the the business space, when I was back in my regular corporate entity stuff back in the 90s and early 2000s, a dinosaur company then was 50 to 100 years old. Yeah. Right? In that time frame, AOL became a behemoth and basically irrelevant. Yeah. And, and that seems like that cycle for companies that aren't grabbing the new and extending with it is getting shorter and shorter. Even if they're dramatically successful, even if they're huge, even if you sign the biggest podcaster in the world for 55 million bucks or whatever, you're still in, like, it makes me think of a little Ralphie meme from The Simpsons. Haha, <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. like you're, they don't even know they're in danger. It's like you're, they're in the water with swimmies and there's sharks. Right. Just all around. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you monetize the thing if you could? And then the other side of that is, all these app makers now, the way they make money, they sell our data. Yep. You are the product, Free. right? Yeah. They sell our data, and they, they even if they have a, a freemium or whatever, and we pay them two ninety nine a month or whatever for the premium version, they're still selling your data. It's not like, oh, you pay two ninety nine, we're not going to sell your data. They're like, oh, you go into our premium data now. You have a method of payment. You're valuable, right? Yeah. So if you could actually monetize the app by co- by providing the payment network. Now you can advertise as an app developer. Our app is not going to sell your data because we don't want it. Mm-hmm. We want your activity because your activity is where the value becomes. Or maybe you get paid for your data. Maybe you do. Do yeah. you want to sell us your data? Yeah. Right. Like maybe you get to even choose like, well, how much of your data? Like if you want to know um, how fast I drive, as long as you're not reporting me to the police. Sure. Sure. You want to know where I shop? No, I think that's too personal. And like, even yeah. monetizing your data. Cause I think they said the average person's data is worth like eight bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that this helps, helps that incentive issue that we have, you know, I mean that Facebook popularized where it's free, but we're going to take everything from you. I, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add on to that. I completely agree. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's, that's what's going to happen, I think. And and the thing is, too, is the way that innovation happens, you know, you could swim up current kicking and screaming and you might, uh, you, you know, you might make a few feet up the river, but eventually that current is going to sweep you off. So you might as well just ride the river down. And I think that a lot of folks that um, are entrenched in like like spotify or something they just might be sitting there with you know being like hey every quarter we're going to make this amount everything's cool like there's a complacency issue with Mm -hmm. corporate stuff um innovation is scary sometimes you know there might be one guy on the board or whatever that's like anti something when someone else brings it up i don't know i can't really spitball too much but at the end of the day i think when they see competitors starting to do something. See, that's my philosophy of like the farmer's market, right? If I can get yeah. one guy at this farmer's market to accept Bitcoin, all the other people there are going to be like, oh, you know, John accepts Bitcoin. What the heck? 
right? Like I really believe in this like domino effect. If we could just reach critical mass, then it then the rest is easy. Yeah, uh, and see, this is little. where we can make a difference as Bitcoiners. So imagine that John at the farmer's market decides he's going to take Bitcoin. Yep. Well, what yeah. we need is the local Bitcoin meetup group, because there is one. Mm-hmm. It's like a guarantee there is one. To, to know, like, if you're the guy at the farmer's market that's going to start taking Bitcoin, you need to go to the Bitcoin meetup. Mm-hmm. And the day you put the Bitcoin B up in your booth, We're all we'll come, come in and there'll be a line. Yep. Of people buying your stuff, even if it's a carton of eggs or a bundle of celery or whatever it is, because I know the guys at mine, they will do it. Mm-hmm. They will do it every time we do one. They're trying to orange pill the bartender, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll do it. And then when that's seen, because that's physical, you can see that, right? All of a sudden, there's this line of people buying stuff from Tom or Bob or whoever, and they're 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 not they're not buying from me. Well, here's and the thing, too. Like there's four, there might be four different local honey uh, producers at the farmer's market. Well, John now is offering a small discount on his honey if you pay in Bitcoin. So now you got that sort of competition problem mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're like, oh, crap, he's charging less. You know, <laughs> so like I, I think that free markets will work its way into that. I like what Texas Slim from the Beef Initiative said about the whole discount thing. He's like, don't charge a discount. Your price yeah. is your price. Charge a yeah. premium for fiat. You know, yeah. like if you go into some small businesses and all, they'll say like it's a three percent additional like charge for a credit card, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we charge three percent more or two percent more or whatever. They don't say we give you a discount. Yeah. And like so, like it's it, you, you, you see point. a sign that says there's a there's a five percent. That's premium. such a better idea. You're right. Slim. That's yeah. such a good idea. Well, like it, it's a uh, it's the Star Wars thing. Like we don't take Republic credits. Right. Right. That's not real money. Like, <laughs> right. I'm gonna have to change your money into real money. That's gonna cost me it's money. So I gotta, go. I gotta charge more. Yeah, I think that's a much better framing. I'm gonna, yeah. I know Slim actually. I've met him a couple of times, and uh, that's such a good framing. He was just at our local meetup. He he drove up for it. Where, where are you uh, at again? I'm near Fort Worth. Okay, all right. So we're basically neighbors. I'm in North. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm near Conroe. Oh, okay. Oh, you're out east of me. Okay, yeah. You should come out to one of our meetups sometime. We 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 have a pretty good group. It's called Fort Bitcoin. Okay. And uh, it's always a good bar. And so the last one we went to an Irish pub. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But they had a big back deck, and we had like this re- respite from the heat. And since it was Tex was coming, we brought a bunch of grass fed beef in, and we like cooked out on the deck at the pub. So it's That's awesome. I think that's one of the things I love about Bitcoiners are optimistic. Yeah. You know, like you were talking about how without Bitcoin, you would have, well, before we came on air, did you just be like a depressed libertarian without Bitcoin? <laughs> I, mean, that's all, I mean, no offense to the gold bugs, but the gold bugs seem miserable. And I feel yeah. like that's where I'd be if I didn't understand Bitcoin and like really get into it and, and stuff. They're, most, they're mostly boomers though. So that alone, like, you know. <laughs> No offense to the boomers in my audience, but as a as a demographic as a whole, you're kind of crotchety. Like I'm Gen X, we just grow, we just don't care. We're just gonna do our thing. We don't care. You know, we were we were making our own dinner when we were eight. We don't give two shits. You know, uh, and, and but I, I've seen yeah. a lot of turnaround in I guess the millennials and whatever the, the the Gen Y or whatever they're calling like the youngest generation now. Um, 
in 14 years of doing this podcast, there was a lot of depression yeah. in that demographic early on. And I think it's, it's not just Bitcoin. It's like the, the growth of Bitcoin. We do a lot on homesteading, permaculture, mm-hmm. stuff like that. All these things are forward looking. And I feel like the education system, which is just part of the larger hegemony of the state, is very backward looking. Like mm-hmm. you tell this young person has their whole life in front of you. Your life is miserable because of those people in the past. Mm. Like uh, even if it's true, that's not a way to live. I think right? there are yeah. some, there are, I've met a I think a lot of intellectually curious Gen Zers and stuff that, you know, every people sometimes just reach a point where they just stop and they like break out of this weird matrix that's it, that they're in, in their head. And they're like, Something isn't right here. My teachers and like all these people that are telling me this, they tell me it and I believe them, but reality isn't reflecting that. Like there's got to be something wrong here. Like they're telling me to go to college. They're telling me I'm going to make six figures out of college with my psychology bachelor's or something. And, but I know, you know, it's just like, I feel like there's going to be a breakout moment. I really hope there is. I mean, not everybody can be <laughs> saved, but, um, the, the worst, like, 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 you know, you know, prices of apartments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's going up for these kids now. Yeah. And it, I don't think it's necessarily their fault, really. I agree with that. Um, so, so a lot of them, they, they, I think they're, they just, want to learn why instead of just getting angry and pissed and like wanting to burn the city down. It's like, why is this happening? Sort of. And I think that leads them down the sort of like money federal reserve sort of sort of thing. I think that'll happen more and more as things get weirder and weirder. I mean, yeah, uh, I will say real quick for those of you that are like 22, 23 years old, you're like, I can't can't afford an apartment. Do you really think it was different when, when old guys like me were 22 and 23? No, we had roommates. We might put cram four guys That's into true. an apartment. Like it's always shitty when you're young. I think what's happened is a lot of people have been convinced it's not supposed to be. Mm. Getting started sucks. Mm-hmm. You have to pay your dues. You have to work your ass off. And it's always hard. And I'm not even going to say that it's not harder, but I am going to say that it's doable. And there's opportunities today. Like if you look at your, where you're at in your professional development. A meritocracy-based, I freely consulted on Twitter for people in the lighting network, and now I work for Voltage. Mm-hmm. Go to that in 1995, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, or, or 1992 when guys like me were in the Army or right when I got out and I was packing boxes in a warehouse for 7 bucks mm-hmm. an hour, right? Like, I mean, there's tons of opportunity out there today. It's just capitalizing on it. And part of that is you have to be looking to tomorrow instead of today and yesterday. So, yes, my generation, the boomers, the freaking beyond the boomers back, there's a lot of stuff they did good and a lot of stuff we screwed up for you. Sorry. But we also had the people before us, like, every what's the song? Uh, I think it's uh, Mike and the Mechanics. Every generation blames the one before. Yeah. Like, that'll yeah. never change. That'll You guys are going to grow up, and your kids and grandkids are going to say, you screwed everything up. Right. And you're going to be mean- like, guys. Hit it, man. Look at what you have. Look what we built for you. We built a lightning network, for God's sakes. Get out and use it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my whole point was, like, I, I think the younger generation is going to pick up on this when I you know, as they learn more and because uh, they're more curious and stuff, I think, than complacent um, older folks. I do, too. Um, 
But I think uh, that like if you're entering a business space, the 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 person entering, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shelve something the the regulatory hurdles that are put in place by mega corporations. I'm not speaking to that right now. I'm just saying like if you're going in something that an individual can do, podcasting, graphics design, something like that, mm-hmm. lightning development, anything like that. The new person almost inevitably has the advantage in the long race because they're going to use all the latest technology that's available and all the developing technology. It's hard to get, like, I'm a veteran podcaster, 14 years in podcasting. That's a long time. Like, getting me to use StreamYard was hard. Mm. Like, like, you need a live stream. I'm like, nobody will show up. They're like, it doesn't matter. You have extra content forever. Finally, you do it. And you're like, this was, why didn't I do this all the time? So the, the new entrant is going to be much more likely to grab on to the latest and the greatest and the innovative. And they're going to build in the next generation of platforms and protocols. And so they're always going to have the advantage, but there's a window that you got to grab into and you got to, you got to be, you got to become the old fuck, right? Like, and you got to yeah. do that by being the aggressive young person. There's nothing for someone like Spotify to lose. By going out there and actually finding a quote unquote expert, which they're popping up everywhere over yeah. these things saying, Hey, we've heard about this. Let's fly somebody out here to talk to us about it, you know, and learn about what it's about. Isn't that what they used to do back in the day? I mean, that's what I would think. I've never run yeah. a business myself before, but it's like, Hey, if this potential thing is going to disrupt me, I shouldn't fight it. I should learn about it first. Yeah, they're now Sony Music, right? Like Sony BMG couldn't comprehend this whole streaming thing that people would right. pay essentially a couple cents per song they listen to in a fee, and it would like the record stores would go away, and their leather wall offices would all go away, and like they couldn't understand that people didn't need to have a CD anymore. You know, they weren't going to pay you the same price for an L, you know, an album that was just a download. They couldn't yeah. get it. So, so people like Spotify, people like Pandora, et cetera, they came in and they eviscerated them. And it's only been a decade, decade and a half at the most. Yeah. And now the, again, they're, the sharks are in the water around them. And it's like, I don't know. Once you get established, like you said, they're comfortable. Right. You're comfortable until you're not, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I do. I mean it. When I say you look at your phone, you look at the apps on it. If that app can be monetized in the next few years, it will be or you will have replaced it with somebody who did it. I don't need, yeah. like, the only reason I even have the Apple podcast app and the Spotify and Stitcher apps on my phone anymore is because I'm a podcaster, mm. and there's still a lot of listeners there, and I need to make sure, like, am I in the feed? Okay, I am good. I'm done for the day. I don't need it. Like, when I listen to podcasts, I use Fountain or I use Breeze. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it all uses the same RSS thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> I'm really excited for Fountain to 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 grow out. Hopefully, get some more funding. Maybe hire a couple more devs. Maybe start tackling things like streaming, right? That, yeah, like video streaming. That'd be really cool. They are definitely out. a small team, um, and they're doing yeah. some really impressive things. But they're they're have, like today they're having growing pains. There was some chat here, uh, people saying like they're having trouble boosting and stuff. And yep. And they already said on Twitter, yep, we know, we're working on it. If you keep, if we keep answering you, we can't work on it. Right. We'll, we'll, like there's two of us. Oh, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's two or three. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's like two or three devs, but think about that. Like two or three people have built a platform that in a year has like come in and take a significant market share 
So mm. where do we go? Like, where do we go next with that? Like I said, the traffic app to me makes a lot of sense. I look at like things that people use to find any service and go, that's a natural thing. Like a, uh, like an Airbnb, mm-hmm. right? Like an Airbnb or like Geyser's doing fundraising. We had those guys on a couple of weeks ago, yeah. right? Like, uh, the fold card, they're only lightning esque right now, but they're moving yeah. in that direction where if I have to use fiat, I end up with Bitcoin. Right. You know, yeah, and what I said about it. that, like the, the competition to me. So I am primarily as a home improvement DIY guy, I am a Lowe's guy. Mm-hmm. But the only reason I'm a Lowe's guy is there's a Lowe's and a Home Depot. They're almost equal distance from my house. The, the, the Home Depot parking lot sucks to get in and out of. I feel like I'm going to get hit when I come oh, around okay. the corner. So I go to Lowe's. But I open the Fold app. Well, guess who has a gift card option in there to make me 4% back? Uh, home, home Depot. Depot. Yeah. And Lowe's does not. So until Lowe's does, guess where my business just shifted? Right. Now, they won't see Jack Spirico's business shift. I'm not, I don't buy that much lumber. It's expensive now, but it's not that expensive. But how many people will make that shift and how long will it take their marketing nerds to figure this out and go, wait, wait a minute. All we have to do is offer, like, they don't have to accept Bitcoin. They don't have to yeah. get a like note. Like, all we have to do is put our gift cards into this distribution channel. And then you have to ask yourself how many of those distribution channels, because I can build that channel a lot easier than building a home improvement store. Right. Like building the distribution channel to, to migrate monetary units through way easier than putting up brick and mortar stores. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's another app. It's relatively new. The name is kind of funny. Uh, the Bitcoin company. I don't know if you heard of okay. this one. But their primary use right now is living on Bitcoin, specifically the Lightning Network. And they've got hundreds of gift card options, uh, including generic virtual Visa gift cards and actually physical Visa gift cards also with a dollar to ship for Lightning. So I feel like that's really, really interesting, too. And I think that, you know, a lot of these companies, they don't even care. They just say, yeah, sell our gift cards and, you know, we'll give you a percent. And the cool thing about that app, too, is they give you stats back also. So it's spend Bitcoin, get a little bit of Bitcoin back kind of thing. So it's kind of like full just instead of dollars. It's like if you're actually living on Bitcoin. But these these sort of um, apps and stuff are springing up all over the place, which gives me confidence that we're going in the right direction. If we were still like stagnant ish, like it would kind of suck. But we're we're growing and if if you're plugged into what's happening and on i don't know bitcoin meetups and stuff like that or if you go to a conference once a year conferences are freaking everywhere now you know go to one once a year if you can and just like hear you know talk to these people that are building and stuff and ask them questions you'll realize that this is absolutely where the future of of commerce is going and um like i said i mean the lightning is still, I think, I guess I'm going to pull back the hope a little bit. Yeah. Lightning is still kind of wonky in a lot of ways. There's some, it's still a beta product. It's still, there's still a little bit of, of, of weirdness to it, but uh, there's also proposed solutions to a lot of these issues too. So the cool thing is even if the lightning network fails or whatever, Bitcoin doesn't fail. We just build something else the building doesn't stop because the core layer of Bitcoin is extremely robust and basically incorruptible at this point. So, so that's, that's, that's really cool too. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up just because, you know, 
No, see, I love, I love the whole layered approach. Yeah. And I didn't five years ago. I was totally into shit coining five years ago because I'm like, these are all these things that Bitcoin doesn't do. And then what I, what I realized as we started to see things like lightning and we started to see things like liquid and fediments mm-hmm. and all these other things mm-hmm. that, that are happening, the beauty of the layered solution is the layered solution is allowed to fail. Yep. And the only way you can be allowed to innovate is you have to be allowed to fail. Imagine mm-hmm. any technology that existed in 1950 and, and the people building it were told you, you can innovate, but you can't, you're not allowed to fail. And if you right. fail, the whole thing just goes away. Well, we'd all still have avocado phones with giant twisted cords attached to the wall. That's what we, right. that's what we would still have because, well, I'm sure that the first cell phone, fa- in fact, I know it failed. Like yeah. I know the first call that was ever made, that wasn't the first call. That was the first public call that was ever made. It failed a lot. Like, you know, there's the famous thing about Edison is it, how many times you failed to make a light bulb. You see, I learned that many ways to not do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to fail to innovate. I don't want somebody failing with Bitcoin. Right. Leave like in Satoshi's word. Once it was, once it came out, it was done. It was set in, st- leave it alone. Right. And now you can, if you think you can do better than lightning, go build another layered solution and compete with it. And if you can, great. Yeah. And I wouldn't even fit it here because that's the free market we're supposed to espouse. Yeah, right? I have no, I have no weird emotional attachment to lightning. I just think it's fun at this time. If if something better comes out, that's cool too. But like, we need to keep all those properties that Bitcoin has at the base layer. That's my only criteria. Yeah, if we if yeah. keep that. We're good. Um, now I put, just throw the hope back in. I I personally do think lightning will succeed. I think yeah. that it's got way too much already momentum going for it. But it doesn't mm-hmm. actually mean that somebody might not develop something that's better over time. Sure. It, you could have a successful thing, and then you could have a more successful thing. You, t- today, if you tell somebody something like a VHS tape, mm-hmm. what kind of old prick are you? But it was incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. Entire businesses were built small, mom and pop businesses. I remember my little... Tiny coal town in Pennsylvania I lived in. You know, people would open up a little store and they would, they, they ran a business for 10 years. Eventually mm-hmm. it went bankrupt because no one used them anymore. But for 10 years, this person was able to like take the old VCH, VHS tapes and rent them out. And then they were able to just seamlessly move over to compact disc. And then once it went to streaming, all of that died. Yeah. But you know, Blockbuster was successful because originally of the VHS tape from, you know, the 1980s. Right. And so it wasn't that. VHS failed. Mm-hmm. It was the next generation simply surplanted it. And mm-hmm. any of these layered texts can have that happen. And you can still have that base layer remain that constant, you know, everything divided by 21 million. Yeah. I think all we have to do is like, I forget where I read this, but the, it was, it was, I guess uh, a quote or something. It was, um, don't complain about like where you are, build what you want to see sort of thing. And, and I I really like that. And I think that, you know, nobody is saying, you know, let's destroy visa or let's destroy bank of America or whatever. Some people might be saying that, but um, it's the more, the way I think about it is let's compete, I guess, right? Like let's compete. And that's all anybody should want is just this a, a market competition. Let the bet let let the person decide. Let the person have the options and decide what they want to use. 
And if they're not using whatever we're building or someone else is building, then they can try to build better. And I think that's the magic of the free market. That's the magic of human innovation. And that's something that um, I'm afraid is like being trampled on just a little bit in some ways by some overarching psychopaths that um, I don't know, <laughs> that, that just mm, rubbed me the wrong way. I just want a free market, you know? Yeah. It's uh, interesting. You bring up like Visa and like the, the, the card networks because that immediately gives me a flash to a talk that I listened to by Jack Maulers from strike. Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, he's connected with some fairly big time people now and they flat out came and told him, Jamie Dimon is not going to compete with you on the user experience. He's not going to compete with you in the market. He's going to compete with you in DC. Yeah. So one of the things that gives me hope for strike is that Jack's aware of that. He's like completely legal and lawyered up, but that tells you where that mindset is. We'll use the existing apparatus to crush you. The thing is, it's really hard to crush a technology that starts to behave like a life form. Right. Right. To me, decentralized, no point of failure sort of. Yeah. Well, you have a technology that's the most asymmetric form of warfare that I think has ever been developed. If if I own an AK-47, I own the only AK-47 in the world. There are no other semi-automatic rifles. I have the only one and I have Mm -hmm. all the ammo for it. I'm the dude in what was that? The dark whatever, the, the guy went back through time. This is my boomstick, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have the boomstick. And the yeah. last thing I want is Nate to get a boomstick too. Because yeah. now we're, we're, we're equalized. And I have lost my advantage because you've adopted my technology. Mm-hmm. I don't care who adopts Bitcoin. Everybody that already has adopted Bitcoin benefits when it happens. You're like, well, I don't want the central banks to have it. Well, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Let them have it. Because it's money, because if I can prevent anybody from having it, it's not actual money. It's some form of fiat or some contrived thing. If it's money, it's earned through value. So if you can earn Bitcoin, go do it. But if any government tomorrow, like not at El Salvador, somebody with a significant independent central bank, Russia, Australia, China, United States, can any nation like of that type, like a G30 nation adopts Bitcoin, and I don't care if they even make it currency. They put it on the balance sheet of their central bank. Sure. Every yeah. other one will do it in seconds because they have to. Right. And, and I think I can have Jackistan. <laughs> and you know what? I, I think that that should be inevitable. That makes the incentives yeah. make sense for that to happen someday. I just I want to see Bitcoin get into as many hands of Agreed. folks like you and me. Uh, before like I'm willing to have low time preference on that and wait as long as possible as long as we don't experience some sort of weird attack like you have to register your addresses or something dumb like that like as long as we can avoid that which I think we will I judging from what I'm hearing like I'm not an expert, but it seems like the regulatory agencies are very very confused even no, now. They have no idea what they're doing at all, which can be seen as a good thing. Uh, <laughs> and you if know. you look at Lightning itself, go ahead, track and yeah. trace all that, right? Like it's when you start looking at like thousands and th- just fa- like just the value for value podcast network, not just Fallon, but the whole V for V podcast, like the number of transactions on that yeah. and, and they're tiny has to be insane. 
because mm-hmm. I personally account for thousands and thousands of transactions every day on that network. And I'm not that big because mm-hmm. some dude's sitting there listening and he's streaming me three sats a minute while he listens. Right. <laughs> and there's 10 of those listening to a, an hour and a half show at the yeah. same time. It's like a video game or something like it's like trying to track bullets. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, Oh, you know what? Uh, another use case um, was um, commodity markets that that in the current system need to settle like uh, like gas and stuff like once a week or whatever they do in the current system. They can because, of, you know, who knows the market fluctuations and stuff. So like um, maybe with lightning, you know, you could settle every 15 minutes or every 30, yeah. you know, every hour. Uh there's just so many cool little use cases like that. And I've talked to people that know people or are the people themselves that are aware of this and looking how to build out that sort of infrastructure. Like, I think payment splits is exciting. So, and I don't think I really got it until I got into the V for V thing. So I mentioned my, hmm. my web admin, Tom. So I'm like, well, help me set all this up. And like, he does work for me all the time that I'm like, send me a bill and a bill never comes. Hmm. Like he's just that guy, you know, and I mean, if it's a, a, a developing job, he'll, he'll bill me. But when it's like, Hey, I need you to change a few things around, send me a bill. He's like, I, I didn't know how to do it. Now I learned I can add it to what I can do. So I'm like, well, I'll just give you 20% of all my value for value. Mm-hmm. So we had to do it in a kind of contrived way before we knew about fountain. Then we got fountain and like de- disconnected from that contrived way. And I just went in there and went, entered his username, slid it over to 20% and hit save. And I went, wait a minute. And I've had guests, like some That's big awesome. guests, like we did a roundtable with Guy Swan and Brian Harrington on mm-hmm. these apps, and I gave them both 20% for just the episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. So I just set up a drop shipper arrangement with somebody that's managing a swag shop for me for T-shirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then they have a print-on-demand vendor. And we're not ready to do this yet, but there is no reason that when somebody orders a print-on-demand T-shirt, one payment couldn't split – they get their cut, my guys that run the store and all, I get my cut, and the print-on-demander gets paid mm-hmm. in a single instant settlement payment. And then there's no grab-ass tax reporting between the three of us. Even if we're all above board, mm-hmm. we're all reporting all of our income. There's no, well, we paid Jack a royalty payment, and then the vendor has a 1099 over this side. Like All of that is disintermediated. All of that is gone and it could mm-hmm. be I run a bar that you're a bartender at, and when somebody buys a beer, you get your cut. Yeah. You're not a contractor. You're not yeah. an employee. You're not an owner. You yeah. just have a license that says you're allowed to tend bar, and you show up here and tend bar. It's like Uber driving, but for bars. Just, correct. Kind of. <laughs> you just no, kind of correct. It is. So, like, when somebody says, well, That's well, interesting. How much, how much money did you pay, pay Nate? I didn't pay Nate anything. Yeah. I paid him no money. He got paid by every individual customer. That's that's Nate's Directly. issue. How much yeah. did you get paid? Well, I got paid this much, and here's how I paid my vendors. So this is the money I made. Here's yeah. your your tribute state, you know, and bye-bye. Well, yeah. what about me? Oh, you have to talk to Nate. I mean, you could literally okay. have it to the point where anybody that was qualified to, to work in your shop, like the, the bar's backed up. Some guy jumps back there, works there for, like, logs in with his lightning wallet, Works mm-hmm. for two hours, pulls the line down, and walks away, and never comes back. Right. There's some interesting um, 
I can tell now that this is just the surface. Like there's probably so many people out there that have, that are going to have amazing ideas that we can't even think of right now, you know? And that's, that's definitely something I'm excited. And that, that's something a lot of people don't realize too, is, you know, back when the internet came out, no one ever imagined you could stream music on the internet. The bandwidth wasn't there, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sure some people actually. You clicked on a picture of a cat. It was like, yeah, remember that? Oh yeah. And it's just like now, like, look at what we can do. You know, 30 years ago, this sort of like, this is Star Trek type stuff that we're doing right now. You know, I remember watching Star Trek The Next Generation with my dad in the early 90s when I was a little kid. And they're talking on their tablet to each other. Like, what futuristic technology? Like, it just blows my mind that. So my point on that is just like, we probably can't even predict what cool stuff's going to come out, but I really think that the decentralized revolution is the future, though. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, there is a case that a lot of this stuff has been predicted in in, in books and in science fiction and stuff, and now it's here and like it's it's pedestrian. Like yeah. I remember being a kid watching original series Star Trek from the '60s and going, mm. "Wow, they're talking to each other on a screen." That's what I do for a living now. Yeah, right. With a product that costs me um, like eight bucks a month. Right. I mean, like, it's insane. This was the best thing they could come up with for hundreds of years in the future when people are traveling to other planets and we already have it. And it's better. Like, our screens are clearer. It's like, they're so much better, right? I never saw a conference call on Star Trek. I'm just saying. Like, where there's like 12 people all talking? No. Um, But then there was this book I read back in the early 90s by a guy named James Redfield. It's kind of in the new age space. And when I was going through that phase of my life, like I think all young people do. Uh, but there was a, an instant, it was a, it was a list of insights that would transform humanity. And I think it was like a fourth one or something that was that people would eventually get to a point. And again, this is the 90s. This is proto internet mm-hmm. where we would begin to compensate each other for information. And so mm-hmm. like the exam, cause I don't like, like they know the thing, these authors, they're visionaries. They know the thing, but they don't know the how of the thing. So they got to come up with something from the time to explain the thing. So it'd be like, right. I'm looking for directions and I'm like, I'm looking for Bill's barbecue place and I just can't find it. You're like, dude, it's right around the corner. And then I would like go, Oh, thanks a lot. Here's a dollar. Mm-hmm. Well, you, that's very uncomfortable. You would be like, dude, I don't, I, I, I don't want your dollar. Right. And I'm like, why would I give this guy a dollar? He just, but if it was an app and I'm like, right now I, 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 I see where it's supposed to be, but I can't find it. And, and you went, dude, you, you're, you're half a block away. Make a right. And I yeah. sent you at that 10,000 sats. Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, it's so easy. It's so simple. And like, the big thing is you didn't say, give me 10,000 sats and I'll tell you. Right. Is exactly Adam Curry's V for V platform, just in a different application. I decided what I thought your assistance was worth at the moment, and I was able to instantly compensate you for it. There's an app that, um, so if you work at an airline, you can usually fly for free if a seat's yeah. open, right? Yeah. But the problem is, um, and then airlines have inner agreements with each other also. But the problem is if you work at United and you want to hop on a Delta flight, you don't know what seats are open. So there's an app where you can request from someone that works at Delta to tell you what seats are open. Oh. And there's um, if you help others, you get in-app credits. And then if you request, you spend one of those credits. So like stuff like that, Lightning could be used for too, which is really cool. Where, But I, I, I like that sort of idea, though, because that's like sort of a little value, yeah. value type thing. 
Well, so like more mass market, we talked about this in one of our episodes where like if you had an app that was more like, uh, I can't think of that, the app that does like for eating out, like the reviews. Uh, I don't oh, know. Like or something. What's that? Like Yelp. Yeah, like or, Yelp, right? Okay. But instead of like just being reviews like this place makes good shrimp tacos or whatever, it was real time yeah. and active. And like I want to go get shrimp tacos at this place. But you're yeah. sitting there and you're about to get your table, but you look behind you. And you, you, you put out on the network right now, they're on like an hour wait. Yeah. Right. But if that could tie into other, uh, other, other restaurants or other bars, well, there's space here. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, you could even have it like that restaurant that's got open space could be offering on that network, leave this place and come here and we'll give you 15,000 sats. It's kind of like Periscope. It's like Periscope, Google Maps, Lightning Network. I can imagine like opening up an app, going to an area, and seeing little like chat blurbs sort of popping up, maybe. Yeah. And then you know if you get if you and but the the it's not spammy though because spammies aren't going to get tipped for their yeah yeah you know yeah yeah. It's it's pull marketing versus push marketing, right? Like I'm actually saying like I'm here. I wanted to eat shrimp tacos at Shrimp Taco Tuesdays. And yeah. they're backed up. Who's out there? Who's got something for me? Yeah, there you go. And it's cool. a lot yeah, like I, the airplane seat swap around thing. It's just much more. It applies to more people sure. more of the time, right? But I think that things like just to pull it back to voltage, I guess you know, you app developers that know you know JavaScript and and React Native and these 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 tools that people use to make apps really quick and really yeah. really good, you know. Uh, and you want to implement uh, lightning into that, well, Voltage is built for your app. Exactly. You, know, it's, exactly. you don't have to worry about that lightning infrastructure anymore. So um, at um, the Atlanta Bitcoin conference, we're going to have a two-hour workshop for junior devs and stuff on how to connect a lightning node to, to a web app. Mm. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I uh, feel really blood in the streets. I, I see the legacy dinosaurs getting getting gutted by the Velociraptors, man. <laughs> I, it's, we, it's, we it's really, we really want to do that. So, um, let, let, let's yeah. pull back to voltage for a second because, like, I did yeah. have somebody that missed the beginning when we were talking about, you know, it is your node. You have control. You have visibility. I think one of the things people really need to understand is there, there's a responsibility that comes with that. So, like. If, sure. if you have an Exodus wallet, for instance, you know, that's a, a provided solution, but it's yours and you hold your own keys and you lose your keys. Mm-hmm. Exodus is like, uh, sorry. If yeah. I lose like my server password for my webs, my co-located web server, it's my mm-hmm. server. I'm running space and power, right? And bandwidth. Mm-hmm. If I lose my server password, my co-location host is like, uh, so there's yeah. like, that's how like your node. And your access to your node, like you can help me get back into my voltage account. Correct. But not into my node, right? Correct. Yeah. So the um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because that's that's actually really interesting. So your you have your username login for your voltage sort of master dashboard where you can pick you can have multiple nodes, whatever, pick whatever you want to get in, do billing, things like that. And then you, when you spool up a node, you choose a password, and this password is not saved server side. Um, so that means that if you lose and we give you the alert, Hey, don't lose this password. Cause this is what is used to decrypt the space in the data 
center where your node is running. This is very, very, very important, and it also unlocks your node. Uh, so, um, but the cool thing is too, though, is just like a normal Bitcoin wallet, you do get a seed phrase, right? So, uh, on your node main dashboard, mm-hmm. you scroll down, write down your seed words, just like any other Bitcoin node. The way the Lightning Network works is every time a some uh, liquidity moves in a channel. In the behind the scenes, an on-chain Bitcoin transaction is signed between both parties. It's a it's a multi-signature on-chain transaction that's not broadcasted, but it's ready to be broadcasted, and that's what's broadcasted um, uh, when 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 an, and it, when someone decides to close it. It's it's a little bit complex, but that's that's the basics. Um, so, if for example, um, the Lightning let's just let's just say all the nodes on the Lightning Network suddenly like can no longer talk to each other. Some weird okay. bug in the network and it's all messed up. If you have your seed words and what's called a right there's it's called a channel backup or stati- static channel backup file, yep. which is very, very, very small, few kilobytes. All it has is all of the broadcastable closed transactions for all your channels. So you essentially broadcast this close. The, the issue in this scenario is that everybody's going to be doing this and the on-chain congestion is going to like explode. But like just for the sake of explaining how it works, if voltage shuts down, if you can't have access, you can still get your money back with your seed phrase and your channel backup. Even if you don't have your channel backup, if you have your seed phrase, if your counterparty of the channels close the channels, then you still get your funds back also. Um, there's a few other security things on that, like what happens if your counterparty broadcasts an old transaction that says that they have more funds than they actually do, and you're not online, so you can't contest it. What do you do there? There's a few little things there um, that I've written about on the Voltage blog and about best practices on that and everything. But the point is, um, if you, you, there's multiple ways to back up. Like you kind of have to, you have to lose your Voltage node password your seed phrase and your static channel backup. And, and then you totally, we wouldn't be able to help you. And unfortunately that's actually happened to a couple of voltage customers where they're like, Hey, I forgot my password to unlock my node. And it's like, do you have your seed phrase? And the problem is you can't Uh, see your seed phrase without using your password to get access to it. So it's important to do that at the beginning. Yeah. And to do regular backups and like, but see, that's why it is your, it is your node. And it is your data because you have your own backups. Like when I run a backup, I back up to my computer here. Right. Right. And I have that, that seed phrase and I can restore the, uh, I can restore it elsewhere. Like you, you literally could restore outside of, um, voltage, right? Theoretically, yes. Actually, I mean, and not just theoretically, yes, you can do that. It is technically difficult. Sure. Um, you do, we, you can download your whole nodes, files and stuff from, from voltage. Uh, you can export all that and import it into, um, somewhere else if you want to. It's, um, technically challenging to do that and, it's so technically challenging that we won't even try to help you do that. If you yeah. want to do that, we don't want to have any part of that, <laughs> but yeah, you to try. But it, but it could be done. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what makes it yours. It makes it portable. Um, yeah. because like if you can email somebody and they can help you get a new password, right, mm-hmm. then they have access to your data. Exactly. 
they have, and they don't just have access, they have direct access, right? Like that's part of like with my membership, I, I literally have your name, your email address and your username. That's it. And that's all I want. Like there's no data stored in there because I consider myself a security breach. People will email me and go, well, can you rerun my credit card? It failed or whatever. No. What do you mean? No. Well, it either ran by strike or it ran or strike or it ran by PayPal. You update your, I don't want your credit card information. I can see the last four digits of the card you used and the data charge ran. And that's all I want. But if somebody has the data, then they are potentially like, so somebody hacks into voltage. Mm-hmm. They can't like strip all the customer information that it's inside the nodes. That's not, you, you can't see it. So they can't see it. The other side of this that I think is becoming increasingly important because we've, we've shared some of our uh, co-loathing of the state about the only thing that a company can tell the state to legitimately prevent uh, a request for information is that you can legitimately say, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, we need all this data. I would love to help you. Sure. I don't have the, the, the Canadian truckers. There was, uh, I think it was the nunchuck wallet people. Like they were sent mm-hmm. something. That was such a good letter. And they're like, okay. you know, you need to give us all these customer information right now. They're like, we really suggest you go to Google and search for non-custodial wallet <laughs> and learn how they work. Cause we yeah. do not have nor want our customers information. We simply provide a piece of software that they use. Yep. And that was, that was, it was, it was a, a moment of, of being beautiful in this world. And I think it's like a vision of where this can all go, that we could have all types of service providers, all types of app providers, et cetera. And no one really, people are talking about like privacy, right? Mm. And the Bitcoin is a public blockchain and you can do things to figure out who has what. But in the end, if you can create this ecosystem itself, that even the people that are providing the roads for the transactions can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Then you get into this evolving living organism. You get into this you know, economic predator. And that's that's what my hope out of, of Bitcoin is. It, it becomes the T-Rex. Like, sorry, right. they breed in San Francisco now. There's nothing you can do. Uh, they're there. And and yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be what's going to happen going forward, possibly when um, agencies or whatever request info and all they get is a hard drive full of encry- encrypted gibberish that, you know, no passwords are available for. Um, and, and that's one of the cool things about, um, providing non-custodial, you know, ways to interact. I, 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 it's just, uh, yeah. So I'm going to turn off my baby monitor real quick. That's okay. My little girl's waking up, but it's okay. My wife's getting her. So yeah. Um, do we got any cool comments or anything yet? Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm responding to someone asking why you would even deploy a voltage node. It's like we covered that. Let's let's uh, hit mm-hmm. some other stuff, though. Um, this is really not a voltage question. It's more of a, a, a node question. What would make Jack's node cheaper than mine or bombs? So I guess hmm. that for routing fees. Well, we all set our own fees, right? Yeah, so the, the node doesn't have the fee. It's each individual channel has a different fee rate. And you collect the fee when your outbound transitions to inbound. When your inbound transitions to outbound, it's your peer that's collecting the fee. So um, if I open up a channel to a merchant, I would want the fee to be higher uh, because I expect 
the capital to flow from the outbound to the inbound side, where if I open a channel to what I perceive as another routing node, maybe I ought to have it a little bit lower than that because I want to encourage the flow of uh, liquidity in that channel. So the, the, the answer is fees will be more expensive on payment routes and channels that direct uh, liquidity towards um, and and locations that actually need to receive. So that's that's usually what happens. Um, but fee rates are free market. If a if if um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a big store, Amazon. We'll say Amazon. Whatever. If Amazon suddenly accepted Lightning and had a Lightning node, you bet your ass a lot of people are going to open up gigantic channels to Dude, the Amazon. Right, node. Yeah. Not because they want to be nice to Amazon, it's because they're going to collect those fees and they're going to be awesome. And they know Um, that Amazon's going to have this constant inbound equity and they're constantly going to need to be able to find different pathways in, right? Yeah, that too. And, um, but you know, the challenge with that is you get first mover advantage with that, meaning if you're the first one to open up a channel towards a high demand location, uh, you, you're going to charge higher fees than if a lot more people are doing that because you're going to start undercutting each other. Yeah. Which has yeah. happened. Oh yeah. And that's kind of, that kind of harkens back to a question that was asked that we really did sort of cover, but that actually makes it more clear. Like people that are doing routing notes, that's what they're doing. They're finding those opportunities. They're finding mm-hmm. that merchant that has a lot of inbound payments that starts to accept payments on lightning and they're positioning themselves by opening a channel as a way for, for, for money to get in. Mm-hmm. And they're taking the time to rebalance the equity to continue to make their channel attractive because, in theory, what happens is the most expedient pathway that's available is used. Right. The most theory possible to, to succeed. Yeah, there's a few different algorithms that, if you really wanted to, you can actually build out the exact route that you want your okay. payment to take. Almost nobody does that, though. So the default algorithm takes things on, like, historical success rate and things mm-hmm. like that. It's not necessarily the cheapest or the fastest, but historical success rate is really, really important. If a, if, if, um, a historical success rate path is tried and then fails, um, the gossip ne- – so all the nodes are constantly talking to each other in the Lightning Network, sending each other what's called gossip messages about states of channels in the network. And then eventually the, it's sort of like this weird hive mind <laughs> between all the notes. But like if, if a payment path, which theoretically should work, but is failing for some reason, maybe a node along the route is offline or something like that. If that happens constantly, the network will eventually stop trying that path. Yeah. And, and a bad path. something else. Yeah. So, uh, which is really interesting. So here's the next question. I'm going to go ahead and pull up, um, cause I think this is really, he's asking for something we yeah. talked about. Um, K Monk is asking about a merchant service type plan. Well, mm-hmm. that would be this, right? I, think I know what he means. I think you know what he means. Like, 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 like a once, like a, um, uh, maybe they mean something like, I want to start a voltage account and I want to hit a button that says I'm a merchant. Get me with the merchant started plan with a node with a BTC pay server with two hours of consulting and with X amount of inbound liquidity, kind of like a nice little bundle package. Give me a WordPress plugin and an account and and somebody to help me pick those two suckers together. And then I don't think about this anymore. Yeah. 
Um, so right now we're actually, we just, um, built a cool little one click button on our node. Uh, if you start a node with us on the basic voltage dashboard at the top, it'll say need a channel. Click here for 500,000 sats of inbound liquidity from the voltage master node, um, which is, uh, we're really excited about as phase one of tackling this inbound liquidity issue, mm-hmm. especially for merchants and businesses. We have a lot of other ideas besides this. This is just phase one kind of, but we, um, I, I, I don't want to say we in particular, but what I would really, really like to see as sort of like, um, voltage or somebody else even like, I want a merchant to be able to have a dashboard and not even mention Bitcoin or channels at all. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to see that, I just want them to see you can receive up to $500 of whatever. If you'd like yeah. to increase that, it'll be $6 or something. And yeah. they click, okay, I'll do that. And it's like, you could receive up to $3,000 now yeah. or something like that. And yeah. then the back end, um, we're soliciting from liquidity providers. You know, there's like really big liquidity providers now like Kraken and Ellen Big yeah. and like some of these other ones. And maybe we just, you know, use their APIs in the back end, something like that. Like, we're, I, so like to answer the merchant question, like right now we're still really, really sort of basic ish on that. That's it's all there, but you got to cobble it together. We're, we're really working hard on trying to solve this inbound liquidity issue because up until now, this, the solution to this has been use a centralized KYC service like open node or something like that. And they charge a percentage on every transaction, et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to figure out a way to, to bridge that gap in a non-custodial way where we don't have to take a fee of everything. So um, what that would do is let a, a, a web store that does, you know, $10,000 in business a day or 5,000, mm-hmm. small, even a small concern, a couple thousand bucks a day and be able to click a couple buttons, maybe do a few things. And all of a sudden they've replaced, you know, PayPal or Stripe or Venmo with the mm-hmm. Lightning Network. Yeah. And all they have to do at times is maybe help provide a little bit more liquidity and somebody's doing the rebalancing and things like that for them. And that, that goes back to the question I don't have queued up here, but you know, why would somebody want to deploy a, a voltage node versus run their own node? I have a, I have another node right here. To right. My, right yeah. there. Well, I, we talk about uptime and all, but there's a reason because yeah. I just want as a, as a merchant, I just want to process payments I don't have to, I'm worried about the next widget I'm adding. I'm worried about my marketing. I have a team meeting to take over, you know, design, development, deployment. I don't have time to like mess around with managing my node. And I damn sure don't want, oh, gee, some idiot with a backhoe <laughs> dug up a cable and now our web store can't take payments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as a merchant on the Lightning Network, it's, it's, you only have to worry about one thing and that's the people paying you, their payments actually go through. <laughs> that's, that's to boil it down. And, yeah. and, and that on the, on the back end part of it means you have quality inbound liquidity. And it's like, I get what you're saying. That's exactly the problem that we're trying to solve here. We do have a, um, a product that we're working on called surge, which we announced in Bitcoin Miami this year. And we're looking to, um, basically build out a really customizable, easy to look at visualization analytics tool for your node. So you can see at a glance which channels are behaving the way you want them to and um, also provide suggestions based on your criteria of how you want your node to be. 
So for example, if you want your node to always have X amount of inbound liquidity, right? Um, we'll, we'll provide suggestions on how to do that. So you, right, right now you have to kind of get in there and, and figure it out yourself sort of to manage based on this, but it's like you, so, so if that makes sense, uh, we're, we're hoping that that's going to help out a little bit and further us towards that complete automation goal, which I was mentioning sort of earlier. Um, but having a really cool analytics option, not, I'm going to say analytics, but like, like I said, like, um, like it suggests based on your personal criteria, what mm-hmm. you can do to help optimize what you're trying to do. How you can make sure that you're always able to receive payments, you know? Yep. That could be one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there a website from hunters? Is there a website that has all of the lightning apps? I I don't know about that. I think he was comparing it to like, there's like new podcast apps or something like that. That's for all the podcasting apps Mm -hmm. that are on D for V. But is there anything that's like becoming a resource of like, here's all these things that are using lightning? So yes. Um, so. Back when I was doing my little consulting thing, uh, that's when Clubhouse came out. Okay. And back then, a bunch of Bitcoiners got together and started a group called Plebnet. I don't know if you've heard of Plebnet, but um, it grew, and we learned about Lightning together. It was really, really fun. So there's a website called plebnet.wiki. Okay. And there is a ton of information there um, on uh, how to run your nodes, stuff like that. And as far as apps and stuff, I think there is a page for, and when you say apps, I, in my head, I'm thinking, um, software that you use somewhere or another that interacts with your node. It could be a, um, command line tool. It can be, um, a hosting tool, something like that. So I, I don't have like the link in front of me, but plugnet.wiki might have something like that. Um, but yeah, I would need to be a little bit more. I need to have a little bit more uh, information on that. I am, if you're talking about lightning wallets, if you're about lightning wallets, there's a list of lightning wallets that don't use your own node on on that page also. Though. Yeah, and there's I can't think of it right now. Um, uh, it's like it has like a lot of the uh, the the lightning wallet apps. Uh, it won't come to me, but it will here in just a second. Uh, Maybe it won't. <laughs> Maybe it won't. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, lightningaddress.com. Lightningaddress.com has, like, tons of the stuff that uses in URL, email send, apps like that. Yeah, um, lightning, uh, lightning URL and Lightning Address is a uh, interesting way to do a push payment on Lightning. So without soliciting an invoice, you just send somebody uh, a little it looks like an email address and, and you can send payments that way on lightning too. Interesting. Uh, I guess they need to be on my VPN. Uh, Liberty meat solution said Ellen market, uh, would be one to check out uh-huh. too. And it says, I, and I'm on, I'm in us uh, IP right now. And it says, we're sorry, but Ellen markets is not available in your country. <laughs> yeah. Ellen markets <laughs> hasn't been available in a, like a year and a half now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah. VPNs might work though. <laughs> but, but yeah, you also, you guys might want to also take out, check out lightningaddress.com and it gives a whole bunch of stuff and you can find out a bunch of other resources like this at tiplightning.com where you can tip me if you like what I do over the lightning network. You can learn all about it there too. So, um, 
This has been really cool, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today. Do you got anything else you want to let people know about before we wrap up? Um, yeah, no, just thanks for having me. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at beef or bacon one on Twitter. So that's beef or bacon, B E E F or bacon one. Um, I'm also, um, I, I encourage everybody, if you're curious about lightning, even basic questions at all, I run a discord server. Um, it just go to voltage.cloud slash discord and you can hop on that. And then, um, voltage is no KYC, make an account. Play around. I welcome uh, every or I encourage folks to try it out. Um, and okay. then, like I said, I'll, please please hit me up. I'm always available. I'll add the Discord link to the show notes. I've got your Twitter, the official Voltage uh, Twitter, yep. and a few other things. And I found that you did kind of like a how to use Voltage seminar thing not long yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, we're doing monthly workshops now, and we have those on YouTube. If you can't attend uh, in person, uh, so we did one on the uh, just how to make an account, what we yep. offer. Uh, it's a really, really cool sort of basics overview of, of what we do. And I uh, I have that in the show notes already, so I can't forget that one. I'll try awesome. to remember to add the Discord one. But about an hour from right about now as we wrap up, if you go by the survivalpodcast.com or the bitcoinbreakout.com and look up this, this episode, uh, you will be able to find all of that stuff in the show notes. I'm really – I try to be good about making sure all the resources are there. Sometimes things come up in, in the middle and uh, I, I forget them, but I try to take all the stuff that I can find before we even start the show and already have those notes ready to go for people because uh, many people are right now driving in their car listening to this on, a, on an app on their phone over their stereo and they're not going to be able to write this stuff down. Like, I want to remember that. Well, yeah. I always have that stuff for you guys. Uh, awesome. I think that's part of the responsibility of being a good podcaster. But Nate, man, thank you for being with us today. Sure. Anytime. Take care. Well, great stuff, guys. Hope you enjoyed our guest today. want to remind you here at the end that you can always help support this show and the work that we do by doing your online shopping where? You know where. tspaz.com. That's right. T-S-P-A-Z. tspaz.com. Go there. You'll find all of the stuff that I recommend. These are things that I own. I bought. I spent my own money on. If I wouldn't spend my money on it, I wouldn't suggest that you do so. Uh, today's item of the day is one that actually became kind of a replacement for me from, well, the same manufacturer. It's just a smaller version. I've been rec recommending the Streamlight Stylus Pro uh, flashlight. It uses two AA batteries for almost as long as the Survival Podcast has existed. I mean, my recommendation of that predates doing the reviews on T-SPAS when I was just like, yeah, this is what I carry. And a few years ago, I was bringing it around again as an item of the day. And Nicole Sauce from our expert council said, I, I really don't like the, those two battery size ones. I like the smaller one battery size ones because of something I didn't know that existed. Um, she said that girl jeans have lame-ass non-pockets and a full-size flashlight doesn't fit in them. Well, I didn't know this, so I brought this one around and said, hey, if the, the, the two-cell one works, then the one-cell one will be just fine. My one concern was what was the battery life? It's less battery, so there's less life, but it's still pretty good. I have switched to where this is the one I carry now, because even though I have real pockets in my shorts and my jeans, it just carries nicer, being smaller and more compact as it is. I get about a month out of a good uh, AAA battery, and that's like nightly trips out to the duck house to put the birds to bed, looking for stuff you drop under your desk and things like that. It's a bright little light. It's not the brightest one in the world. I actually give you a recommend if you really want brighter, but brighter comes at a price of battery life. It's plenty bright. 
as an EDC light, and I love the little thing. Uh, again, it's made by Streamlight. It's the Streamlight Micro Stream. You can find it at the survivalpodcast.com. You can always go to tspaz.com to find all my reviews. And no matter what you buy, even if it's not something I have listed, as long as you start your shopping at tspaz.com, you help us and the work that we do. Next up, let me remind you guys, if you are not an MSB member, you should be an MSB member. It's 50 bucks a year. You get a whole bunch of discounts. If you use just a few of them a year, like, for instance, our one sponsor today, ButcherBox, it's $120 a year on a $50 membership. If you're not a member, you, you kind of hate money, and you shouldn't hate money, especially if you're tuning into a Bitcoin breakout episode, right? So do consider becoming a member today. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members. You guys that listen on the Bitcoin breakout feed only, Remember, you can always find cool stuff at the survivalpodcast.com, too. One of the reasons I started doing Bitcoin Breakout is I see this tremendous overlap and totally a huge number of people that come into the Bitcoin space that end up also coming into kind of the local food space, the better nutrition space, the know your rancher space, the homesteading, the backup power generation, all of the stuff that we talk about at TSP all the time. So get on over there if you are a BBO-only listener right now. You'll find all the other cool stuff we have. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show, Guy. I will catch you tomorrow with another episode uh, of the Survival Podcast. This has been another episode of The Bitcoin Breakout. To subscribe and learn more, please visit thebitcoinbreakout.com.